Hello and welcome to Market Matters, a podcast brought to you by Emirates NBD. My name is Maurice Gravier and I am Chief Investment Officer for the bank. Today, I will not speak about stocks, bonds or the economy. Today, I will not even speak about what we do, but about what we don't do. We do not advise on crypto assets yet, and I will share with you the reasons why, and of course, where we are in our thinking about it. So please consider the following as general considerations and not as investment advice. In a way, I wish it was investment advice, and I will start with the cardinal reason why it is not. It takes lots of experience and work to have valuable views on markets. I am an investment professional for more than two decades, and more often than not, I feel that it is not enough. Let me take an example. Just last week, the US Consumer Price Index was released, and it was clearly stronger than expected. Inflation, a 5% year-on-year increase in prices. What happened to interest rates? They fell. I can find a lot of explanations once it has happened, but nobody was able to anticipate it. With markets, you learn every day. So back to my point, we take our mission extremely seriously, and there is a world between a personal opinion and a professional investment advice. We do not have enough depth to make compelling recommendations on crypto to our clients yet, with the same level as for conventional assets. There are, anyway, much smarter people than me on the topic. But of course, we are working on crypto assets, and we know a thing or two about investments. So let's go into more details. For every single investment decision, we take into account how three distinct elements interact. The backdrop, which is what happens. The valuation, which is the fair price you estimate for the asset. And finally, the behavioral factors, which are about sentiment, positioning, and flows. The no-brainer is, of course, a great backdrop, dirt cheap and under-owned. It happens, but not very often. So, crypto. Let's start with the backdrop. It is the easy part. The blockchain technology is simply fantastic. It's about replacing trust in a person or in an institution by cryptographic proof collectively agreed by a network of computers, even if some nodes are corrupted or wrong. When it comes to applications, we haven't even scratched the surface yet, from property records to logistics and including, of course, finance. Do we need a new asset class? Well, why not? Expected returns are historically low on all the conventional ones. Do we need an independent currency? Well, it exists. That's the purpose of gold for investment. Now, currency is all about trust. Nowadays, the US Central Bank, for example, is creating 120 billion US dollars every month out of thin air. Yes, we trust, but Still, it's a lot of paper and some people are legitimately questioning the trust and they may want something independent and different from gold as a currency. So, we have a brilliant game-changing technology, 
We have liquid tokens that can be traded and an interest for new asset classes and probably a need for people who question trust in institutions to have an alternative type of money. So no doubt, the backdrop is brilliant. We're not here to talk technology, but investment. So it's not just about the backdrop. Let's switch to the second pillar of decisions, valuation. And I will take the example of the Bitcoin. Again, we see a valuable function, but how can we estimate its fair price? It's not simple because we have no cash flow to discount, like for gold in a way, but we also don't have any physical thing to back it. It's not the digital representation of a physical asset, it is a fully digital object. One popular angle to estimate the fair, the fair price of Bitcoin is like in commodities, supply and demand or stock to flow ratios. The great news is that supply in Bitcoin is limited by design. A total of 21 million coins will be mined, not one more, and currently 19 million are already in existence. Limited supply, rising demand, many enthusiasts don't go further. It's bullish, there is no fair price, only a trend. We would of course be more cautious. First, Bitcoin cannot be consumed, it's not oil, it doesn't disappear. Second, Bitcoin can be traded with as many as 8 decimals. It means that each Bitcoin can be divided by 100 million fractions, which have basically exactly the same characteristics. 21 million times 100 million, I have to breathe, is 2,100 trillion investable units, which again have the same function and are here, inshallah, for eternity. It's not exactly scarce, is it? And even scarcity, scarcity doesn't guarantee a rise in prices. Gold, again, is also a limited resource. There are maybe 250,000 metric tons on Earth. That's it. It also has rising demand, rising demand for 40 centuries. Still, its price hasn't been as parabolic as Bitcoin. So supply and demand is not right for us to estimate the fair value. However, gold and Bitcoin share many characteristics from an investment perspective, at least in principle. They have limited supply, central banks cannot print them, you can even hold them outside of any bank account, but they have value anywhere in the world. So gold is, we think, a compelling starting point to try to establish a fair value for Bitcoin. We are not alone, we take inspiration from many smart people who do, like Red Helio or the teams at JP Morgan. So let's assume that Bitcoin is digital gold. Under this assumption, at some point, the total value of all Bitcoins will equal the total value of gold held for investment purposes by the private sector, which is currently around 3 trillion US dollars. This leads to a price of around 150,000 for Bitcoin, ultimately. Now, Bitcoin is six times more volatile than gold. So adjusting for risk, 150,000 divided by six equals $25,000. 
I admit this is not rocket science, but it's at least a number and a number we can understand. Now, if the volatility of bitcoins was only two times higher than gold, which was the case, by the way, not that long ago, then our, I have to breathe again, long-term risk-adjusted gold-based fair value climbs to 75,000, which is 150 divided by two, from 25 to 75. It's quite a range. My point here is that the current price of maybe 39,000 as I speak is not outrageous, but 25,000 or 75,000 aren't crazy as well. We cannot take decisions with such a range. What is certain is that numbers matter, including the big additions. All bitcoins are currently worth a combined 700 billion US dollars. Yes, from early days, the price of Bitcoin has multiplied by something like 50,000. And we all dream about, oh, sh I should have put 1,000 US dollars this time. Okay, multiply by 50,000. Looking forward, if you think that it can multiply by a more modest 50 times, it means that the total value of Bitcoin would be close to the annual GDP of the US and China combined, backed by nothing except trust. Never say never, but keep in mind the numbers. That was for valuation. It's hard to reconcile the value we see with the price, especially given the volatility. Now I took the example of Bitcoin, and Bitcoin is not alone. It was the pioneer. Its beauty is in the inflexibility of its process, which makes it effectively a potential store of value because rules are known. Each time something was changed, it created a so-called hard fork, which is basically a new version of Bitcoin, like Bitcoin Cash or Bitcoin Gold. The original one remained untouched. Other coins are different. Some are designed to be currencies and the most successful ones are so-called stable coins. They are pegged to fiat currencies, especially the dollar. So basically for an investor, it's the same exposure. Others are tokens with functions. Some are both. And let me speak about Ethereum. Ethereum is brilliant. Ether is a currency, but it's also the ownership of the network, the most successful blockchain platform. It's home to thousands of applications, among which a myriad of other crypto assets, but also the extremely promising decentralized finance. So should we buy Ether? Again, we have the same valuation issue. What is the fair price? And we have even more fundamental questions. Who can be sure that another crypto will not do to Ethereum what Apple did to Nokia or what Google did to Yahoo 20 years ago. Remember Yahoo, Nokia? Disruptors can be disrupted, especially in early days. So what to do? Maybe one should recommend to invest in a basket of crypto assets in the same way that a venture capital investor picks 20 startups to get hopefully one unicorn. It could be, but there are differences. Startups are not continuously traded and they do different things. 
The recent turmoil in crypto assets has shown an absolute correlation between all of them. When leading cryptos move sharply up or down, all cryptos follow in the same direction. It's an issue. And this leads me to the third element after the backdrop, after valuation, behavioral factors. Currently, individual speculators are the prominent driver for crypto. Yes, there is interest from the institutional world, starting with hedge funds and family offices, and frankly, everybody is watching. Yes, again, for the first time last week, a country, El Salvador, declared Bitcoin a legal tender. Yes, PayPal also can accept crypto as a funding source, and Tesla said they would before changing their mind and changing again today. However, the reality is that institutions and corporates are a very small minority as of now. Again, the technology has an enormous potential for fantastic applications, but as fundamental valuation is difficult to establish and as the pandemic and the policy support have created together favorable conditions for speculation, cryptos are currently pure boom and bust dynamics. This is why, by the way, some elements of technical analysis, which is at the end of the day representing behavioral patterns on charts, can work. But still, a 1000% rally followed by a 50% drop is very dangerous for your hard-earned money. And when sentiment is the only driver, one shouldn't act on anything else than an extreme, either panic or euphoria. Having said that, Extreme volatility is not a deal breaker in itself. If it brings value to a broader portfolio, it's a matter of calibration and risk control. Now, bringing value means that the portfolio has a better risk-adjusted expected return with crypto in it than without. Uncorrelated returns are what an asset allocator is looking for to get diversification benefits. We are also obviously working on this aspect, but from our current analysis, we see a strong correlation between the performance of crypto assets and the overall investor's risk appetite on conventional markets. Bottom line, it means that they are affected by the same behavioral factors, greed and fear as equities. They don't bring the holy grail of perfect diversification to a portfolio. This is also why today we do not advise on the crypto complex. You may have noticed that I haven't mentioned the usual issues raised by crypto skeptics. It's probably because we are not outright crypto skeptics. We share some of these concerns, but not all of them. For example, the fact that cryptos are used by hackers is arguable. I think that hackers prefer cash. Cryptos are anonymous, but they are traceable. The US authorities last week have been able to claw back most of the recent ransom from the hacking of Colonial Pipeline, which would have been arguably more difficult with cash. By contrast, energy consumption and carbon footprints are very serious concerns. You can't pursue ESG goals and invest in bitcoins. There are ways to improve, like the proposed transition of Ethereum again from proof-of-work to proof-of-stake protocol and the much broader topic of using cleaner energy. 
Bitcoin alone represents more or less 100 terawatt hour. It's not far from the UAE electricity consumption at 120. China's recent crackdown on Bitcoin mining goes in the right direction. China is home to two-thirds of the related computer power simply because its cost of electricity is very low and unfortunately mostly based on coal. Regulation is a critical topic, probably the most important. On one hand, any direct control from authorities is in total opposition with the essence of blockchain. But on the other, as adoption increases, retail investors are alone in what Elizabeth Warren just called the Wild West. The wave of initial coin offerings from 2017 was full of scams. It could happen again at a much bigger scale. You can trade basically anything, anytime, online, offline, at any price, and an influential tweet can dramatically and instantly impact prices. There is nothing like investors' protection, not even KYC or anti-money laundering. Do you know who you are buying from or selling to? We would welcome more regulation. Decentralization doesn't mean anarchy. This could have an adverse, maybe devastating impact on crypto prices in the short term. Yes, but then it would lead to a clarification of the counterparts, the responsibilities, the business models and the risks. It would unlock institutional participation and ultimately contribute to reduce volatility, which again is a key ingredient to evolve from speculation to investment. We are not there yet in our maybe old-fashioned fundamental framework which is designed to preserve and grow your wealth over time. Yes, I admit, to take a car analogy, we transport your capital in a comfortable and safe SUV capable to deal with all terrains, not in a Formula One on a racetrack. In the absence of a robust enough valuation framework now, we are not in a position to make robust professional advice. But again, we believe in the technology, we are working on it, and we could even be more tempted when, if the next crash happens. Thank you for listening. Stay safe and invest wisely for the long term.